to remind your ministry members and friends that dunamis is over the experience is not but the celebration is over and that bible study has resumed bible study is the place where we delve into god's word more in depth than just the one verse and we are dealing with it for several weeks it is for people that want to grow. There is no Christian that will be strong if they don't make time to study the Bible. One of the blessings I got early on in this ministry when I joined was the fact that the senior pastor espoused me to the word of God. Prior to my joining this church, I read my Bible, yeah. Even in my secondary school days, yeah, I love to read my Bible, but sometimes just read without even having understanding and not even seeking it. But joining this ministry birthed a hunger in me for God's word. And I thank God that the hunger is still there till today. Of course, the devil fights it through circumstances and situations. There are things that happen in our lives and they discourage you from even going to the Bible. You're rather looking for solution everywhere. But I tell you, whatever it is that has a solution, the solution is in the word of God. Amen. And so if you can look into the word, you can find a solution. I always say, even when you're trusting God for things, you want to have something. If you can get it from the word, you will get it from the world. The world out there will give it to you. If you can get it from the word, if you can get anything from the word of God, it's only a matter of time and faith. The world out there will give it to you. I've shared my experiences with getting visas and all of that from the word of God, from the word. Visas are in this Bible. Airplanes are here. Healing is here. Prosperity is here. Health is here. Relationships, everything. Husband is here. Wife is here. Everything is encapsulated in the word. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Make time for the word. If you don't come to Bible study, then I, I wonder what kind of Christian you are. If you ever have time on your own to study the Bible. If corporately we can learn together and you abscond, then do you really want to tell me that you make time on your own to deliberately just sit down with the word? Let me tell you one more thing as I go into the word tonight. It is good to have a regime or a routine of studying the Bible, making time for the Bible. Maybe you want to say 8 to 9 every day or 9 to 10 or 12 to 1, whatever time, and protect that time. Because again, uh, where I have made mistakes and I don't mind to share with you, early on when I didn't understand this was, well, just read my Bible Anytime I think, oh, yeah, I have time now, so let me quickly just do it. Now, you will discover that there are days you'll be very busy. And your day will start much earlier than usual. So what happens the whole of that day? You won't find time for the word. And it could go on for three weeks. I'm sorry, for three days. And it could go on for one week. Now, one week without feeding will make one week. The 
supernatural food if you're fasting for one week and you're not breaking your fast. Naturally, you are going to be weak. Now, this is the food for the spirit man. If you don't feed on this for one week, you are going to be spiritually weak. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? So, create a regime or a routine for the word and protect that time. If your phone has to go on flight mode for that period, my phone goes on flight mode a lot these days. If it has to go on flight mode for that period, let it go on flight mode so that nobody distracts you. That is the time you are feeding your spirit man. And it is the strong spirit of a man that will sustain him in his infirmity. And if you fail in the day of adversity, then your strength is small. Where do you draw strength, do you draw strength from? You draw strength from food. I don't understand, like I've said time and time again, how that we draw strength from food. But I do know that when I'm weak physically and I get to eat and sometimes I get to sweat, there's a whole lot of energy that comes and I'm ready to face anything. The same with you. Medical students or docs claim that. I don't know it. But I know that when I'm fasting for a long time, I'm weak. But the moment I break that fast, the moment I eat, I have strength. Look at that also spiritually. Amen? Every time you are in the word, every time you are reading, studying, and meditating the word, you are actually feeding your spirit man. <laughs> A day is coming, you will need that strength. You might not be in trouble right now. You might not have a situation right now that can upset you and throw you off balance. But I can guarantee you that before life is over, it will come. <laughs> The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. I mean, that's not one scripture I like to quote. Why should the afflictions of the righteous be many? But, I mean, let's, let's, let's read that tonight. It's, it's not just in my head. Psalm 34 and verse 19 is in your Bible. So everybody, look, look into your Bible. Let's see whether it's only in Pastor Fred's Bible. Psalm 34 and verse 19. Glory be to God. Now, in fact, let's take it from verse 17. Verse 17 says, the righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. That means the righteous have troubles. They put it in, in plural there. The Lord is nigh unto them that have a broken heart. So if your heart is broken tonight, God is near you. Amen? Don't throw in the towel. And saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many. Are the afflictions. He didn't say, I wish he would say few are the afflictions, but he said many. <laughs> many are the afflictions of the righteous, and we are the righteous. So many are the afflictions. But, somebody say, but. The Lord, Yad, Hey, Bab, Hey, Yahweh, Jehovah, delivereth him out of some of them. Out of them all. Not some of them. Out of them all. And one of the ways that God brings deliverance to us is from his word. He delivers us by the word. Psalm 107 and verse 20. Look at that very quickly. Psalm 107 and verse 20. Psalm 107 and verse 20. I love to read the Psalms and I encourage you to read the Psalms. There's a lot of treasure here. And verse 20. He sent his word. And the word sent healed them. 
So there is healing by the word and delivered them from their destruction. So the word brings deliverance. Amen. It can liberate your mind, liberate your soul. And sometimes that's where deliverance starts from. Because you find, like I'm going to share with you tonight, you find that the enemy fights our peace. Fights our soul. The soul comprises the, the mind, the will, and the emotions. It throws his daggers, throws his arrows at us. And one of the ways that God helps us is to deliver, to liberate our soul. You just have that liberation. And the moment it comes, you are out of it. The devil will try to get you back into it. And then you go back into the word and you point your finger in his face and you get out of it again. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. One of the ways God brings deliverance is through his word. Now, can you imagine if you don't know what the word says? If you have no idea what's in the word for you. Now, a Christian that is illiterate when it comes to the word of God is going to suffer a lot. And in fact, many of these sufferings, people glorify them and they say, this suffering is from the Lord or I'm suffering for the Lord. Whereas, no, it's just the devil that's trying to destroy your life. Now, you're going to have to say no to that by going into the word to find out God's plan for your life. God's plan for my life is in the word. Can you say that with me? Say, God's plan for my life is in the word. Amen. So, don't wait for the devil in the world to tell you. The plan for your life. Because the plan in the world is really crazy and terrible. But when you come in here, then you find his plan. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans that I have for you, said the Lord, NIV. I know the plans that I have for you, said the Lord. I have plans. And I know it. They are plans of good and not of evil. To prosper you, not to harm you. To give you a future and hope. If anybody's trying to harm you, it's not me. I'm trying to, I'm the one trying to prosper you. The enemy is the one trying to harm you. But my plan prosper you, not to harm you. To give you a future and hope. A future means you're not going to die young. Hope means you're not going to be hopeless, even when you live long. You will live long, then you're not going to be hopeless. Can I have an amen to that? I found that scripture here, Jeremiah 29, 11. Fresh out of secondary school, my father died. And the future looked bleak. And it looked as if, well, where am I going to go? What am I going to do with my life? And that word came. I would never forget that evening. I went visiting some aunties, big sisters in the neighborhood. I just went visiting them. They were like my mentors. I don't even know what part of the world they are in right now. And that was the one scripture they used to encourage me. Jeremiah 29, 11. They had also lost their dad and they were trying to get on with life. It was from their mouth, I first of all heard the name, the Stone Church. They just talked about the Stone Church briefly, blah, blah, and that was it. I, didn't, I never knew I would wind up in this church. So they quoted that scripture to me, and I went back to check it. Jeremiah 29, 11. So God has a plan for me. And then I came to this church years later, maybe a couple of years later. No, same year. Same year I came. And then the title of Senior Pastor's Message, my first Sunday was... Uh, 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 God has a plan for you. Now, the word of God is so quick and powerful. Hebrews 4.11 tells us that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates to the division of the bone and the marrow. It goes to the very source of life. 
and it can change anything, it can change any situation. I'm saying all this tonight to encourage you, please. If you're a Christian and you don't read your Bible, you don't meditate on the, on the Word of God, you don't make time for the Word of God, you are going to be weak, oh. You are going to be weak. Amongst other things, amongst the Word of God being food for your spirit man, the Word of God is also the sword of the Spirit. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. And then I'll briefly share what I want to share tonight on the fruit of the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 6. The devil doesn't want us to know this. But we must know this. You shouldn't have a weapon and the devil is just beating you blue-black. Alright? Now, Ephesians 6, I'm going to take it from verse 10 all the way to 16. Alright? Or maybe even to 17. 17 actually. He says, finally my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Alright? Now, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The devil has wiles, deceptions, lies. He said for you to be able to stand against those lies of the devil, you must put on the whole armor of God, all the weapons. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So who do we wrestle against? Principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against physical wickedness in high places. Is that what you have in your Bible? What does your Bible say? Spiritual wickedness in high places. So, the forces that are arrayed against us are unseen. Our battle is unseen. And yet, it has effect on us in the sin realm. So the unseen realm is real. But glory be to God, we also have weapons that are unseen to fight the unseen realm. Can I have an amen to that? And to give us victory in the unseen realm, which will then cascade and manifest in the physical realm. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. I'm going to do a teaching on this soon by God's grace. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Because there is an evil day. Notice. This is Paul the apostle, a man of faith, writing that there is an evil day. Every believer has theirs. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. Don't run away. Stand. Go get my message that I preached on Sunday if you were not in church on Sunday. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, it says you take on the word, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. What does that tell you? Of all these weapons, 
The only one there that is offensive is the word of God. Every other weapon is defensive. The helmet to protect your head. The breastplate to protect, to protect your chest. The helmet to protect your head and that's where your mind is also. The mind is in the head, it's not in the chest. Alright? Here. The devil wants to attack our mind. He said, put on the helmet of salvation. Okay? Now the breastplate of righteousness. Now we also spoke about the belt of truth. He spoke about the, 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 your feet being shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Talking about the shoes you wear. Then he also now spoke about the shield of faith. Now the shield is uh, uh, a defensive weapon that you carry. Like an enemy shoots an arrow at you, you can use your shield to block it off. The only one with which you can fight. You can't remove your helmet and throw at the enemy and kill an enemy. Helmet doesn't kill anybody. You can't remove your belt and use it to kill an enemy. A belt will not kill anybody. You can't even throw your shoes and expect your strong enemy to die. He will just wave it off with his shield and then he's coming for you. So the only weapon you have that can cause damage to the enemy. Listen, somebody needs to hear this. The only weapon you have that can wreak havoc in the realm of the spirit, in the camp of your enemies... And when I say your enemies, I don't mean your people from your village. I mean Satan and all his cohorts that are arrayed against you. The only weapon you have to injure them, to wound, in street language, wound, to wound them is the word of God. The Bible calls it the sword of the spirit. The sword is an offensive weapon. It is used to fight. So every time, listen, that you meditate on the word, and the word becomes flesh in your spirit, and you release it, it is written. Whoop! You are sending your sword. You are fighting off the enemy. It is written. They obey that. They listen to that. How did Jesus overcome the tempter? Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4. When the tempter came and said, if you are the son of God, turn this, this stone to bread. Now, Jesus was hungry. Oh yeah, he was. The Bible says he was hungry. But what did he say? He didn't come up with a quotable quote or a motivational speech. He said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's Rhema. It is written. The second time the devil came up with another temptation, Jesus said to him, it is written. The third time he came with another temptation, Jesus said to him, it is written. It was quoting the word, even though he's the living word. Because the word of God is quick and powerful. The word of God is the sword of the spirit. When you wield it well and skillfully, you will be injuring your enemies. It is the only offensive weapon that we have. Amen? In this arsenal, in this lineup, this lineup of weapons, I hope to teach this someday. Don't joke with God's word. It is not just for feeding. It's also for warfare. Amen. And words are powerful in the realm of the spirit. First Samuel 17, when David and Goliath came face to face, Goliath was talking. Do you think I'm a dog? Am I a dog that you have come to me with, this, with some stones and and, and this catapulted, oh God, God, and then he cursed David in the name of his gods. David didn't keep quiet. He also kept speaking. 
In fact, I counted the words some time ago. Goliath spoke a little over 30-something words, and David spoke over 100 words. You don't allow the enemy to have the last laugh or the last say. Imagine when you allow the words of Christ to dwell richly in you. So a situation shows up and then a word from your spirit shows up. Look, where there is no deposit, there can be no withdrawal. The reason we are empty sometimes and helpless in the issues of life is because we have not made enough deposits. When there is no money in your account, can you go and queue on the ATM queue? And say you want to withdraw money, and you know there is no money in your account. You know that your last balance was 255 naira, 75 kobo. I mean, they won't even give you that 200 naira. They won't. The machine is not that nice. You go to queue to collect 20,000 naira because you know you have 100,000 naira there. Or you have that 20,000 there, or you have 25,000. Out of my 25,000, I want 5,000. I'm very hungry. I want to feed myself and buy some stuff in the market. But where there has been no deposit, there can be no withdrawal. If you don't deposit the word of God in your heart, there will be no withdrawal on the day you need it. Go to Job 22. Let me show you a scripture. I'm speaking to you tonight. I'm also speaking to myself. Because nobody ever outgrows the efficacy of the word of God. No matter how anointed you are. If you go to Job 21 and verse 22. It says, acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. Thereby good shall come unto thee. I want to talk about peace tonight. Acquaint yourself, familiarize yourself with God and be at peace. Now, receive, I pray thee, the law from his mouth. And lay up his words in your heart. In other words, he's telling you here. Store, store, deposit, deposit the word of God in your heart. And when the Bible says your heart, it's talking about your spirit. Every time you open your Bible and you sit down with it and you read and you study and you meditate, you are feeding the innermost you, the most important part of you. If that innermost you becomes weak, you are in trouble. If trouble gets to that innermost part of you, you are in trouble. Trouble can get to the outermost part of you, stare you in the face. If it doesn't get into your spirit, you will overcome it. But if trouble finds its way from the outer court to the middle court to the innermost court, then that is real trouble. Now, instead of allowing trouble to get there, he said, lay up his words in your heart. Fill up your life with the word of God. Fill up your life. Papa Hagen would say, when the enemy comes squeezing at your heart, make sure what flows out is the word of God. You know, when we come under pressure, what's on the inside of you will come out? <laughs> the real thing. The real thing will come out. Have you ever pressed the, tu uh, the tube of toothpaste before? You pressed it and then tomato puree came out. It was toothpaste you bought in the market. And then one day, you wanted to prepare jollof rice, and then you ran out of tomato puree. And you said, let me just try, maybe somehow... I'm a man of faith. I'm going to press my toothpaste and, and maybe tomato puree will come out and I'm going to use that tomato puree to cook my jollof rice. And then you bring the Holy Ghost, ra -ba 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 -ba, ra -ba 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 -ba, and then you take your, 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 your toothpaste, Colgate or one of those brands, and then you press it and then tomato puree, and onion juice. 
No. It's what's inside that's going to come out when you apply pressure. If the word of God does not dwell richly in you, unbelief that dwells richly in you is what's going to come out of your mouth. And I tell you, the devil knows how to put pressure on us. <laughs> this is why every investment you make in the word of God is not a waste. You might not need it now, but the day is coming you're going to need it. Can I have an amen to that? He said, lay up his words in your heart. If you return to the Almighty, you shall be built up. Can I have an amen to that? Somebody is going to be built up tonight. And thou shalt put away iniquity far from your tabernacles. Then shall you lay up gold as dust and the gold of offer as the stones of the brooks. Yea, the Almighty shall be your defense. And thou shalt have plenty of silver. God wants his church blessed and rich. This is in the word of God. He said, you shall have plenty of silver. Does that sound like poverty? For then shall thou have the, thy delight in the Almighty and shall lift up thy face unto God. This is worship. You will delight in him and you will lift up your face to him in koinonia, in communion, and in prayer, and in praise, and in worship. Thou shall make thy prayer unto him and it shall hear thee, and thou shalt pay thy vows. Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. Now, before you begin to make decrees, see what he said. Lay up his words in your heart. So you don't make empty decrees. People decree a lot in Nigeria. In three days' time, you shall be so, so, and so, and nothing happens. This person will be the governor of this state, and then they fail. People make decrees. Where are you coming from? Decree out of an empty heart? When men are cast down, then thou shalt say, there is a lifting up. There is lifting up. And it shall save the humble person. It shall even deliver the island of the innocent and is delivered by the pureness of your hands. It means God will even deliver people that are connected to you. Your friends, your family. God will deliver them because of you. But then he put a condition. He said, by the pureness of your hands. So, there is a task, there's a demand on your life for holiness. So that you can make intercession for other people and your intercessory prayer will work. Can I have an amen to that? Please, make time for the word. Make time for the word of God. And make time daily. Like you feed your stomach daily, feed your spirit daily. You can even come up with the principle for yourself that you're going to feed on the word before you feed on your breakfast, before you feed on your canal food. You can make it a habit. At the beginning, it will be difficult, but over time, you'll get used to it. And you begin to enjoy it. Talking about the fruit of the Spirit, there are nine of them. We've spoken about love. We've spoken about joy. And tonight, I want to talk about peace. Amen. And peace is quite important, isn't it? Let me run through the, the, the points I made on joy, and then I'll go to peace right away. I said to Ross that just like love, joy strengthens your faith. Joy strengthens your faith. Joy has a way of strengthening our faith. Everything you need is in the wells of salvation, and joy is the drawer that you need to draw water out of the wells of salvation. you find that in Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 3. The Bible says it is with joy that we draw water from the wells of salvation all right with joy with joy 
Joy is the drawer you throw in the well of salvation and you draw out your healing. You draw out your provision. You draw out open doors. You draw out favor. Whatever you need to draw out, it is with joy, not with sadness. It is with joy. Can I have an amen to that? Number two, I said to us that joy aids your hearing from God. Joy helps you to hear from God. Some say, I don't hear from God. God talks to some people. He doesn't talk to me. Are you a joyful person? The Jewish people believe that where there is depression, the spirit of God doesn't like to stay there. And in that kind of atmosphere, it's tough to hear from God. And if you look at Isaiah chapter 30, verses 29 to 31, it says that you shall have a song as in the night when the holy solemnity is kept and gladness of heart. And if you read further down, it says, and the Lord shall cause his glorious voice to be heard. And through the voice of the Lord shall the Assyrian be beaten down. You shall have a song. It starts with that. Have a song. Child of God, have a song. Always have a song. Have a song in your spirit. Have a song. Not nonsensical songs. Sometimes those nonsensical songs that stay in our head. It stays in my head for a couple of days and I'm wondering, I don't like this song. Where did I get this from? Maybe from an event. Or maybe from somewhere. Maybe it's just trending and everywhere I turn, that's what people are playing. So that's the way of sticking. Cast it down. You don't need it because it won't strengthen you. Have a song unto the Lord. Amen. A song of worship. A song of worship. A song that brings joy, that helps your joy. A song that helps you to worship God. There are many songs also in the church that are not good songs. They are not scriptural. Like I said some time ago, and I always say, some of those songs, not because they are Yoruba, but even some of our English songs, have, they, they have no meaning. They lack depth. They lack depth. Some of our Yoruba songs, they are either advising you or asking you questions or abusing you. What's your own business with that now? Are you praising God? Now, can you go one on one? You alone with God. And I say, Are you, are you saying that to God? So, is, God is doing this, man. Are you getting what I'm saying? A song that you cannot take alone, alone with God, throw it away. Amen? There are songs that, I mean, we have tons of them now. Glory be to God. I mean, tons of them. Put them on your phone. Put them on your playlist. Repeat them. Sing about Jesus. Whether it's in the congregation or alone, you know that those songs will always trend. Your name is the light that the shadows can deny. Your name cannot be overcome. Whether we sing it as a congregation or one-on-one, -on -one, you alone with God, it still works. Have a song. Have a song. Some of our songs are just sensational. Some of them are just Jehovah, Jehovah. You say Jehovah, then Jehovah, 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 Jehovah. What happened? What are you singing? What are you singing? You know, a lot of those songs, mm -mm, they don't have depth. Praise the Lord, those single, single. What's, what are you saying? What's those single, single? You're advising somebody to sing. Now, can, can you be on your, on your own, alone with God, in worship, and praise the Lord, those single, single. What's those single, single? 
go for songs that have depth. Learn them. Some of them, I know, to take discipline to learn because they have lyrics, long lyrics. But if you listen to them, you know these songs are rich. Some of them, you listen to them alone with God and you listen to the lyrics and you, you start crying. There's, there's, there's one from, I think, his song, uh, The Billion Song. If the stars are made to worship, so will I. I mean, the day I took my time and I, I looked at the lyrics, because, you know, you can go on YouTube now and just put the song there with lyrics. So I don't need the video. I just want the lyrics. I said, wow. They were talking about canvas of grace. I mean, how do you think about that? Talking about the stars, talking about the wind, talking about whatever. If, if, if you walked away from an empty tomb, so will I. Oh, there is a hope for resurrection. Glory be to God. Deep, deep songs. And when you sing those to God, you will have gladness of heart. And from there, you will hear the voice of God. So joy also helps you to hear the voice of God. Number three, I said to us that joy is a game changer. You know, it disarms the enemy and prepares your heart to receive whatever you are trusting God for. Joy. Joy. Joy changes the game. In Isaiah 55, verses 12 to 13, you have Isaiah talk about joy also. Joy precedes healing. When you are sick in your body, if you ever fall sick in your body and the enemy is telling you you are going to die, reach for your phone and try and get a song. Get a song. There are some of these songs that are really spiritual. Get to that point where you can now, the song can help you to jumpstart the process, but then you take over. And worship God. And then worship in the spirit. And as joy, you get to a point where joy begins to bubble forth in your heart. That precedes your healing. Healing is around the corner. That miracle you are trusting God for is around the corner. Can I have an amen to that? Joy is a game changer. When we are in a situation, the enemy's goal is to keep us in depression. To keep us sad, moody, crying, weeping. Having what we call pity party for yourself. You are throwing a party, but it's a pity party. If we can, I know it's not easy, but by the help of the Holy Spirit, if you can get out of that mold, your miracle is around the corner. Number four, joy makes your service acceptable to God. I said that to us. You have that in Deuteronomy 28, verses 47 to 48. And you have 2 Corinthians 8, 1 to 5, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. If any service that you render to God that you, that you don't render on the platform of joy is a waste of time. When you are serving God and you are frowning all over the place, you are forlorn, you are morose, melancholic, I'm the only one, I'm the only one doing this, I'm the only one doing that, I want you to know that such a service is not acceptable to God. The Bible says to serve God with joyfulness. Somebody say joyfulness. Very important. So now let me introduce peace tonight and then I'll press further on peace next week. The Hebrew word translated peace is the word shalom. Somebody say shalom. Now, what it actually means is a state of completeness. A state of completeness. Nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. Nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. The, to, the, to, the, to the Hebrew people, the Jewish family, the word shalom is not just the word you throw around. It's a very powerful word. Someone said to me that every Friday morning, 
a Jewish father would place his hand on his son. If he has a male child. And the first thing he would say is shalom. That as a question. Is all well? And the son says shalom. All is well. Then the father now releases the blessing by saying shalom. Now I'm blessing you now. Because that's the way God said to bless his children. In fact, God had to give Moses an instruction. We'll see it tonight. He instructed him to instruct Aaron, the high priest, that when you want to bless my children, the children of Israel, this is how to bless them. God is the God of order. It's not the God of confusion. He said, if you want to bless them, it is called the priestly blessing. This is how to bless them. And I think I've taught on that before in this church. The power of the prophetic blessing. Part of that prophetic blessing is the priestly blessing. That's why at the end of every service, I tell you, lift your hand for the blessing. It's important. Don't joke with it. Don't, don't become too, fa too, too familiar with it. Oh, Pastor Fred is just going to say, the Lord bless you and keep you. Those words are powerful. God ordained them. God came up with those words. And how did God create the world? Through words. How is he going to recreate your situation? Through words. You're in a situation tonight you don't like. How do you recreate it? Through words. Release words. Jesus said the words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Say it long enough, you're going to eat the fruit thereof. Peace. Galatians chapter 5, before I go to Numbers Galatians chapter 5. That's our text. And verse 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. You've discovered that the third one there is peace. After love, then it said joy. And after joy, it says, peace, shalom, shalom. How important is peace? I never knew that until now, until recently. But everybody has peace. I mean, you're just going to have peace. Just be at peace with yourself, right? You're not looking for trouble. You're not troubling anybody. Nobody will trouble you. It's not always so. In fact, I found out that one of the areas that the enemy attacks, apart from our joy, is our peace. In fact, if he, if he attacks your peace and is able to attack your peace, it will, it, will it will affect every other thing. How important is peace? Number one, God himself is the one who blesses us with peace. God himself. For you to know how important it is, God says, look, I'm the one that will do the blessing with peace. I will bless you with peace. I'm the one. I'm not going to assign an angel to do that. I will do it myself. Huh? You know, that must be a very important assignment. If the rector of your school or the provost of your school or the vice chancellor of your school says, I am not going to delegate this particular function to my deputy. I want to do it myself. That means that thing must be very important. That letter you need, I'm not going to allow the registrar to sign it. I want to sign it myself. That means that letter is very important. Is that not so? Now, God is the one that blesses us with peace. And I'm going to show you that tonight. 
let's go to, uh, I have quite a number of scriptures to show you, but let's, let's look at Isaiah 66, first of all, before we go to Numbers. Isaiah 66. And we look at verse 12. For thus saith the Lord, behold, now, thus saith who? The Lord, not an angel, not the angel of the Lord, the Lord himself. Behold, I will, as an act of my will, I will extend peace to her like a river. Is that talking about you? Come on. Is that talking about you? <laughs> I will extend peace to her like a river. Amen. And the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. Then shall you suck. You shall be born upon her sides and be dandled upon her knees. I will extend peace to her like a river. May you receive peace like a river. Flowing. And it keeps flowing. And it keeps flowing. It's not a dam. It's a river. It keeps flowing. River of peace. For everyday trouble, peace comes. The peace of God that passes all understanding comes. Comes. You can have peace in the midst of your chaos. Peace doesn't mean that we're not going to have trouble in this world. Yeah, we're going to have trouble. But God can give us peace in the midst of the trouble. And people wonder, how do you sleep? Peace. Amen. How are you still together? Peace. How are you still able to preach? Peace. How are you still able to sing? Peace. How are you still able to go to work? Peace. How are you still able to go to school? Peace. Trust God and stay in peace. It's important that you have peace. I'll show you that in my point number two, but point number one, first of all. Now, let's go to Numbers chapter six. For you to know how important peace is, God said this to Moses. Number six, and look at verse 22. And the Lord spake unto Moses. Who spake unto Moses? Come on, talk to me. Who spake unto Moses? The Lord. What did he say? He said, speak unto Aaron. Now, Aaron was the high priest. And unto his sons, who were ministering with him. Singing, on this wise, you shall bless the children of Israel. Singing unto them. Listen, Moses said to Aaron and his sons, this is how. That's the meaning of on this wise. This is how you shall bless the children of Israel. This is how I want them blessed. And what does it mean to bless? To empower, to succeed. When I say God bless you, I mean God will empower you to succeed. God will give you the empowerment you need to rise above limitations. Saying. This is called the prophetic blessing. This is the priestly blessing. You bless by singing. You can also curse by singing. So the blessing can be released through words. That's why words are powerful. The first thing I did when my children were born in the hospital, my son first and then my daughter three years later, because I had learned these things. I don't know if my parents did that for me. I wish they did. I wish they knew. What I, ha what I happened to know by the time I was having my kids, as they brought them out, I took them from the doctors because I was there as they took the delivery. And I put my mouth in their ears, my son, first of all, and I released words. I blessed him. I blessed him. I spoke words into his future. Those were the very first set of words he heard. I learned that from the Bible. When God made Adam, 
the very first set of words that Adam ever heard were, You are blessed! Multiply! Have dominion! Subdue the earth! Replenish it! Those were the first set of words he ever heard. And he was blessed. Until he decided to go with his wife, to go into the curse. Adam was not deceived. Read the Bible. In, in the New Testament, Paul the Apostle made it clear that Adam was not deceived. Eve was, but Adam was not. So he did what he did, knowing the consequences and whatever. Maybe he didn't know the full import of the consequences, but he did what he did, defined God's commandment. He committed treason. He wasn't deceived. And that's why there's so much chaos in the world today. The first set of words you hear are very important. If you can, as a single person, you can program one of these messages on your phone to wake you up in the morning. You can program a worship song. I used to do that a lot. When I was single, I had this phone, and then I, I, there was a song by Donat Lawrence. Donat Lawrence, yeah. It was the one that produced it, but it wasn't the one that actually sang that track. Or maybe he featured someone else. It says, um, I love the way you wake me up, something like that, in the morning. God, I love the way you hold me in the morning, morning time. It's a, it's a gospel song, very nice song. It's about the things you say to me in the a.m. A.m. means morning. It's about the way you hold me in the a.m. That song used to wake me up at 5 a.m. It would just come on on my, on my phone. It would sing, sing out loud, and then I will wake up on that note, and then... I will get into my worship, go to my closet, brush my teeth, get my Bible, fellowship with God. And I tell you, there was a particular morning. Now, this time I've been married. And uh, we had gotten married that, the, the year before. And I was doing a project. And I needed direction. I left my bed, I think, back in the day. I, I changed my time of fellowship to like 4 a.m. Very early. And maybe 4 or 5 a.m. I got up from bed. Walked out very quietly. My wife was sleeping. I went to the living room. As I sat in my chair, I had this book by Gloria Copeland, um, To Know Him. That's the title of the book. It wasn't about anything material. It was about just to know Jesus. So I had the book. I was reading it daily, reading a chapter every day, and then I had my Bible. As I sat in, on the couch, it was like I sat on the laps of Jesus. I, I felt this peace. As I sat in that corner, it was like the presence of God was already waiting for me. Church, there is nothing as sweet as the presence of God. If you have ever seen the face of God, you don't want to ever see his backside. The presence of the Lord is sweet. For those of us who have left that presence, let's go back there. Thank God we are still alive. So there is still a chance to repent. When we talk about sin, 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 people think it's just about fornication, drinking, clubbing, and all of that. Look, when you are detached from the presence of God, you are, you are as good as dead. Life flows from him to us. And that life affects both our spiritual and our physical lives. In Romans 8, 11, the Bible says, If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in your body, he that raised up Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal body by spirit that dwells in you. I don't care what the ailment may be, what the doctors have called it, the Holy Ghost can fix you in one moment. 
brand new heart, brand new kidneys, brand new everything. Listen, God said, speak to Aaron and unto his son, saying, on this wise you shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them. What were those words to say unto them? One, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. Somebody say amen. The Lord make his face. Now that's Yadevabe. Make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. One person came tonight. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. That was how he rounded that off. Then he said, and they shall put my name upon the children of Israel and I will bless them. But he rounded off that blessing by saying, and shall give thee peace. The Lord is the giver of peace. That's how important peace is. It takes God himself to give you. Let us interpret this scripture well. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee. Now, does it mean you are higher than the Lord? He said the Lord will lift up his countenance. That's what he says. Lift up. This is lift up. He didn't say the Lord will look down on thee. Ideally, the Lord should look down from heaven, right? And look on us. But here, he says the Lord lift up. The Lord was the one that told Moses to tell Aaron, I want to lift up my countenance. What does that mean? So, in the Hebrew translation of this, what it means is that we are like little kids, little children. When a little child runs to you, a two-year-old or three-year-old, they just wobble, wobble, they want to fall, and then they run to you. What do you do? You allow them to fall? You, you must be mean to do that. I mean, if you love children, you grab them. Am I right? And then you lift them up, like my children. Now, I'm not too sure I can lift them that much now. Especially the boy. I mean, the girl I still carry. <laughs> and they fight me. Everybody fights me. Why are you carrying her? She's a big girl. Leave her alone. She's my girl. I love her. Praise God. And I love my boy too. But you see, my boy is big now. So I'm not too sure, unless I want to injure myself. Now, but when they were little, when they were, you know, much younger, they would run to me and I would carry them. I don't throw them up. I lift them up like this. Like, you know, the way adults lift up children. There is no way you lift up a child that you will not lift up your countenance to look at that child. Am I right? Imagine this microphone is a child, and then you lift the child up like this. That's what this scripture is saying. God says, like a child, I want to lift you up. Then I will lift my countenance up upon you. Then when I lift my countenance up like this, I'm going to give you peace. I'm God's baby. Amen. Do you feel like God's baby tonight? <laughs> no devil should mess up with your life. You are God's child. If he's messing up with your life right now, remind yourself and remind him that you are God's baby. Amen? Imagine if you are the president's baby and some rascals want to mess up around you. He'll be beaten up by all the, the security guards around you and then thrown into jail. Court case 2055. After your dad has left office, then they'll be hearing the court case, but he's in jail already because you are the daughter or the son of the president. You are the baby of the president. Imagine you are God's baby. He said, I will lift up the light of my countenance upon you. God says, I will carry you up like this, and I will look at you, and I will give you peace. Peace for every troubled soul tonight in the name of Jesus. How important is peace? Jesus spoke about peace. Before I go to Jesus, let's go to Psalm 4. The psalmist in Psalm 4, verses 6 to 8. Very important. Very important. Psalm 4, the book of Psalms, chapter 4, 
verses 6 to 8. It says, there be many that say, who will show us any good? Many say, uh, who will help this one? Who will show you any good? Who will help you? He says, Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. He was quoting what God said he would do in Numbers chapter 6. Many have looked at us and they've written us off. They say, we can't become anything in life. We are not important. We can't get help. They say, who will show you any good? Who will help you? Who will help you? I don't see anybody helping you in this kind of situation. Somebody had told me that before, but I know. <laughs> like the psalmist knows. He said, Lord, you will lift me up. Lift us up, O oh God, with the light of your countenance. Verse 7. He says, Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. Verse 8. I will both lay me down in peace, in shalom, and sleep. For thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. This is a sleeping pill. If you have trouble sleeping, meditate long enough on this scripture. I will both lay me down in peace. And guess what? I will sleep. For thou, Lord, makest me dwell in safety. John 14, 27. Jesus speaking about peace here. John 14. In fact, let's say John 14, 1 and then 27. John chapter 14, verse 1. Verse 1, I'm rounding off now. Verse 1 says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, go to verse 27. Verse 27 says, peace I live with you. Peace. Peace. Peace is important. Peace I live with you. My peace. Then he qualified it. He said, my own kind of peace. My own peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth. Because the world will give it to you today, they will take it back in the evening. Not as the world giveth. Give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. There are many things that would make you to be afraid. That would make you to want to be afraid. He said, don't let it get into your heart. It might be all around you. It might be right in your face, right on your nose. He said, but don't let it get into your heart. My peace I give unto you. So somebody said tonight, Lord Jesus, I receive your peace. Okay, one person came to church tonight. I have your peace. Thank you for your peace. Oh, I'm grateful for your peace. Amen. Now let me show you another scripture. 2 Thessalonians 3.16. 2 Thessalonians 3.16. This should be part of your confession. Now, very important scripture. It says, Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. <laughs> the Lord be with you all. Can I have an amen? Let's read that together. One, two, go. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace. Once in a while. Always. How? By all means. I love that. The Lord be with you all. Let's read it one more time. One, two, go. Now, the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. By all means. The Lord be with you all. That's at all cost. May the Lord give you peace. May he give it to you always. May he give it to you always by all means. One moment we're in peace. The next moment we're almost in chaos. One sad news, one phone call, one message, and then boom. It's like your peace flies out of the window. But I pray for you as I pray for myself tonight. 
the Lord give you peace always. And he gives you peace by all means. In the name of Jesus. So, because it is God that blesses us with peace, peace is very important. Let me give you three more scriptures. Two more scriptures. I'll go to point number two. And then I'll stop there. Romans 15, 13. Romans 15, 13. Romans 15, 13, very quickly. It says, and now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Romans 15 and verse 13. Romans 15 and verse 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, shalom, in believing. That you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Shalom. Let's go to the last scripture. Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, verses 20 to 21. 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 Now, the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will. Amen. Working in you, working in you, inside of you, that which is well-pleasing in his sight. Amen? That which is well-pleasing in his sight. May God work that in you. May you not enjoy living in sin. May you enjoy pleasing God. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Somebody say, Amen. Verse, nine, verse 20 says, Now the God of peace. He is the God of peace. The God of shalom. Not fake peace. There is fake peace. Fake peace is the one where you just want to avoid trouble. So you're avoiding somebody. You're not talking to them. So there is peace. So we have peace. So we live in the same house and we have peace. Now, you don't have peace. You have malice and avoidance. You're avoiding that person. You don't want to talk to them. You say, ah, there is peace. There's... No, that's not the kind of peace that God gives. His peace is nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Next week, I'm going to take number two. Why is peace, or how is peace, or why is peace so important? How important is our peace? Number two, peace is the security of our hearts and souls. I'll give you scriptures for that. I will explain it. Peace is the security of our hearts and souls. The security guard around your heart, around your spirit man, and around your soul. I, I, I'm almost tempted to give you a scripture, but I don't want to give you a scripture. <laughs> Come next Thursday for Bible study, and then you will hear the scripture. Amen. Please stand to your feet tonight. Hallelujah. Have you been blessed tonight? Now, will you make a commitment to God to spend more time in the Word? No commitment? I'm asking you a question, and I want a response. Will you make a commitment to God? To spend more time in the word, important. It's very important. And it's good for your peace. Let me tell you, there are midnights when Satan will come and tell you a lie.